You're listening to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast dedicated to helping small, local-based businesses to grow their influence online and in their communities. On this show, we'll talk about business through a biblical lens. Subscribe to never miss an episode. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to Marketplace Ministry, episode four. Today, we are going to be talking about why some Christian businesses fail. And this will be the first in a series that we'll be doing. Let's dive into the show. I'm Jason Smith, and this is Justin Jeffcoat. Hello, hello. Good to hear, talk to everybody this morning. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview last week with Allison Bredo. I know it was powerful for me uh, just to learn about her four-part framework of how to build better habits. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. It will be life-changing for you, I guarantee it. Today, I want to talk about why some Christian businesses fail. And that's a big, heavy question to even consider. That's a hammer. (laughs) But I got to thinking about it because Rabbi Daniel Lappin talks about how Jews represent about 2% of the world population. Yet, they are overly represented in the world's wealthiest people. So my question is, if Christians serve the same Jewish God, why do some Christian businesses fail? I think a lot of that goes into what we talked about in episode two about the fear and about the thoughts and everything going into a person's head is you have this business. It's your baby. What are you going to do? And you try to put so much detail into it, you forget about the anointing that God put on your heart to push this business to where he wants you to take it. Yeah. So I had, I sat down, I prayed about it, and I was just seeking God to see what what ideas came up. And I came up with a list of 12. I don't have them here with me today. We will go into them all throughout this series. But all 12 of them, when you compared them and you you analyzed them, it was easy to group them into categories. And these categories relate to five attitudes that we have about doing business. So let's get into those five attitudes real quick. The first is our attitude about God. Wow. So concerning our attitude about God, do we really take God seriously? He is the creator of heaven and earth. He created everything. He knows how everything works. He set it all up perfectly. But Satan came in the garden and he went to Eve and he said, did God really say? But if you back up a little bit into Genesis chapter two, you see that it's recorded that God's name is the Lord God. Yeah. So what Satan did in that moment was he stripped God of his title, his position, his authority, and tried to make him just like us. And when Eve saw that God was just like us and that we could be just like him by eating the fruit, that's when she made the decision to do what she wasn't supposed to do. Mm -hmm. When God calls you into a business, he's not going to make you do it on your own. He wants to help you. So you have to listen to him. When I started PetCore, I didn't have any idea how to run a business. Didn't know a thing about it. So I used my Montgomery GI Bill benefits to go to college and get a degree in business. But before I even started the business, 
I started volunteering my services to some people in the church just to test it out and to build my skills as a professional pooper scooper. And I did that for a little while. Then when it was time to start advertising, I asked God, how do I market this business? How do I advertise? And the first thing that came to mind was like door-to-door flyers. Okay. Great. I can do door-to-door flyers. But how do you want me to do that? And he told me very specifically in that still small voice, print it on bright orange paper, roll it up like a scroll, and tie a red ribbon around it. I'm like, okay. So I printed up maybe 200, 300 flyers. I can't remember exactly how many at this point. It was a long time ago. Um, And I printed them up just like he had said. I spent time sitting on my couch, rolling them up like a scroll, tying a red ribbon around them. And I thought, man, this is very tedious. But you know what? When you look in all the instructions that he gave for the construction of the tabernacle, for the building of the temple, for the ark... God is very specific and gives very specific directions. And so I did that. And then I walked through the neighborhood nearby where I lived and I started hanging them out on doors. And it just so happened. It was really cool that the ribbon, the way it was tied in a bow, could fit nicely and hang on doorknobs. So oh, that's awesome. So it, right. <laughs> it, it worked perfect. I didn't know that that was going to happen, but it worked out. It was very convenient. And the fact that it was orange, it stood out from everything else. People can see it. It was bright and people would see it. So it was noticeable. Um, and so I did that and I got a classified ad and I ran that. And I ended up with my first two customers just from, just from doing that. Back then, I had to establish the need for a pooper scooper company. So the fact that I got two out of that first one was really exciting for yeah. me. And then it just ended up growing from there to the point where... Right before I closed the business, I had over 60 clients where I was cleaning oh yards. Goodness. So it was pretty fascinating to see that grow over the years. Mm-hmm. But God started it, and he told me what to do. But as soon as I stopped seeking his counsel, that's when the, it just dipped. I started doing things in my own power. And it's one thing to do things in your own power. It's another thing to do things when you're anointed. My pastor talks about this. Yes. About how he's got over 20 years of experience preaching. He, you could give him a title, you could give him a topic, and he could get up on stage <laughs> and deliver a message just, yes, just in his own power. But he doesn't want to do it in his own power. He wants to be anointed. And that anointing, that's the presence of Jesus. It's, it's what breaks the yoke of bondage. It's what empowers us to be a witness. It enables us to do things that God's called us to do. And if we are not operating in the anointing, then we're just operating in the flesh, in the the natural. Mm -hmm. And we're limited in the natural. We need need the super of God added to our natural so we can do supernatural things. That's good. I definitely agree with you on that because we go day to day, day to day, and our flesh is always right there telling us what to do. But that's when we have to realize what is flesh and what is God. And you have to catch it like a Venus flytrap and squish it and say, No, God, my flesh is saying this. What do you want me to do? Because so many people go day to day and listen to the flesh. They don't. They just continue going on and they don't stop themselves and go to God and say, hey, okay, God, what do you want me to do? This is what this is saying. What do you want? And that and they don't do that. And they just 
go on, and then that's why it goes downhill. Yep, absolutely. So we have to have a right attitude about God. That's the first thing. Yes. The second attitude is the attitude about money. There's this big belief in the world that money is the root of all evil. But if you look at the Bible, it doesn't say that. No. The Bible says that the love, emphasis on love, the love of money is a root of all evil. In other words, there's other things that lead to evil, other things besides money. But money just happens to be one of the things, and it's not money in itself, it's the love of money. If you love money so much that you worship it, that it's it's the thing that you get up in the morning and it gives you your security, and that's all you put your trust in, then you have a bad relationship, a bad attitude about money. That's where greed can set in. Yes. And greed is one of the seven deadly sins. So we don't want to do that. We want to have a right attitude about money. Money is a tool. It is. And as a tool, it takes on the attributes or characteristics of the person who wields it. Wow. And, and another thing is how when I was just a marketer and, you know, with my old company, so many people are money-driven, money-driven. Yes, be money-driven, but don't let it consume you. That Because a lot when you go back to saying money is the root of all evil, what that means is if you worship money and want money more than God, that's why that root becomes to flourishing of the root of evil. But if you say, hey, well, I like money, but I put God first, he will bless you with the blessings of money and those will come, but you don't put money before God because it never wins. And there are a lot of people today in their businesses because God blesses them with that, that they forget who gave them that money to begin with, which was God. I want to back up for just a second. I can't, I can't just gloss over what you just said. You said um, that God will bless us with money. And I, I just want to say this. We're not talking prosperity gospel here. This isn't some name it and claim it thing. Yeah. Rabbi Daniel Lappin defines money as a tool that people use. So when you serve God's other children and you do it well, mm-hmm. they in turn bless you with certificates of appreciation with president's faces on them. That's what money is. Money is a tool and it flows from person to person throughout the economy in exchange of value. It means that uh, if I give you money for something, it's because you're providing a value to me for something that I could do. I could do for myself, but I'd rather have you do it. For example, um, a few years ago, I had to do some work on my Jeep and I don't have that Jeep anymore. But when I was working on it, um, I did some YouTube research and yeah. I watched the videos and then I went out and I did it. And I think I had to change a water pump or maybe it was something else that was around the engine. Um, and it took me a good six to eight hours to do it. Wow. Now, what could I have done with that six hours? I could have created wealth by serving people in that six hours. And I could have taken that Jeep to a mechanic who could have got the job done in two hours. Now, if the mechanic charges you 600 bucks to do that, is that worth the time to exchange? Yes, absolutely. It it would have saved me six hours where I could have went and been productive. Okay. So money is an exchange of value. What do you value? I mean, at the same time, 
I wanted to do it on my own. It was a great experience. <laughs> but I'm just I said that to say that you have to weigh the value. And so if we value something, we're going to pay the money for it. If we Correct. don't value it, we're not going to pay it. That's good. Did you end up getting the uh, car fixed or did you actually take it to the mechanic? I did not break it, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> so it was like fixed. It. it was fixed. So we have to have a right attitude about money because a lot of people have a toxic view of money. A lot of people have a toxic view of prosperity. Yeah. They feel that the only way for you to be righteous is to be poor and that if you're rich, you're evil. But there's a lot of people who are poor that are evil, and there's a lot of people who are wow. rich so true. who are not. Wow. So we have to get it in perspective that money's a tool, and it takes on the personality of the person who uses Correct. it. and what you do with it. And, and like this past December, when God put something on my heart to help people, we were able to bless— 19 kids. Did you hear the story? Yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Uh, so back around then, we had the LOL, which is Love Out Loud event, to to uh, help people with Thanksgiving. We provided meals and turkeys to so many people. How, what was it? 61 families we ended up blessing? That sounds about right. Yeah. Over 60 yeah. families we ended up blessing. And through that, it touched me so much that I wanted to do something else. I wanted to continue and continue. And I was went to prayer and God kept telling me, this is what I want you to do. Because we had some extra income that I wanted to use to help people. And God put on my heart, I want you to help these children. So we went on to Facebook and you know some sites here in our county to, to write messages. There's nothing. You don't owe us anything. We just want to help you, your kids. If you need extra help for Christmas... We want to help you. And we started getting these messages. And through that, we instead of, like I said, letting the money shape us, you know, bad or whatever, we took that and instead of using it for us, we had blessed other people. We're able to help through God 19 kids for Amen. Christmas. Amen. And you know that Christmas was hard for a lot of people Especially last year. Especially for 2020. Wow. And I, we, Janie and I wanted to give back because we God put such an anointing on our life to help these kids with this. It wasn't ours, but it was for someone else. And just to see their faces, man, it just brought tears and just an enjoyment. And all you could do is it, they say, thank you, thank you so much. I was like, no, it wasn't me. It was God using me to help you to show his love for you. Amen. So. Amen. That's good. The next attitude is the attitude about identity. Now, this is where we get confused mm -hmm. with who we are, right? We're yeah. confused about oh, we're a Christian, but we don't have the power of God, right? God is some far off, distant person. He's a genie. And we just ask, and if he gives it to us, he gives it to us. Um, that is the wrong Mindset. way to Jeez. look at things. You just want to pray for Knowing who you are is, is the most important thing. Who we are is not wrapped up in what we do. It was easy to think for 12 years that I was a pooper scooper. But I was more than that. And that's another reason why I wanted to leave that business behind, because I felt God was calling me to doing something that was more significant, something long lasting. Mm -hmm. And I didn't just want to be known as a pooper scooper. I am Jason Smith. Amen. I am a child of God. And God has a plan and a calling on my life, and I'm going to go and fulfill it. Amen. And that did not defy who you are. 
Right. And there was a story uh, that our pastor shared that he went out to eat at a McAllister's and there was a guy changing the trash and God put an anointing on pastor to go talk to that man. And he was doing such a good job. And, you know, pastor went over to the manager and, you know, whatever to, 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 to talk to him. And he goes, can I, can I have that young man come here? And pastor gave him a hundred dollars. Pastor gave him a hundred dollars and says, this job does not define you. And that young man, apparently what I know, has kept that with him. And it just touches so many people. No matter what, because I was at Sonic too the other day. And there was a person, she was having a rough day. You could tell she was just not having it. And she gave us the food and God put an anointing on me. I wanted to talk to her. And God wanted me to tell her, it's going to be okay. But I want you to know this. Whatever you do, take God with you because this position, this day or whatever you're having, it does not defy who you are. Mm. And God, go to God in prayer and he will give you and help mold you to where he wants you to go. The next attitude is the attitude about life. And this is, it's kind of, it's a big title to call it the attitude about life. But what really it's about, and it kind of ties in with your attitude of identity, yeah. is not having a victim mindset. Oh. When when we deal with an attitude of life, we're we're dealing with we look at the things that are happening around us and we take that on as it's happening to us. And then we become a victim because we we can't do what we want to do because this this and this. Yeah. And we start casting blame on others and on other things rather than taking the responsibility for our own actions and what we can do. Um, and that's a very bad place to be because once you become a victim in your own mind, then everybody is going to be oh. a bad guy. It, there was a there was a young man that I tried to help because he's had a very l- rough upbringing. So many people have done him wrong. Tried to help him, but he had that mindset that everyone was a victim. If you tried to correct him or help him because of the damage that p- other people has caused, that you were the bad guy. He pointed you at the bad guy. No matter what you did to try to help. He made you that bad guy because that, that mindset created that. So he would point, always point out everybody. And I told him, I was like, bro, no. You have to learn to dictate who is good, who is bad, and you will. Not everyone is out to get you. That's just the enemy trying to get in your head to try to take away from someone who is trying to help you. to take to Put their hand out there, you know. And I just I pray for that individual all the time. And that he does well and, and grows and prospers. The last attitude is the attitude about others. Mm. Now, when it comes to an attitude about others, the Bible is very clear. There's two main commandments that Jesus summarized the entire Ten Commandments on. And that is the first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength, right? Yeah. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself, we are called to love others. We're called to love anybody who's different than us. God made us different. So we are all called to be different, but to love the differences. But in order to do that, the key is found in that verse that Jesus said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. In order to love your neighbor, you first have to love yourself. Exactly. And so if you're if you don't know who you are, if you have a bad attitude about who you are, 
If you have a victim mentality, so you have a bad attitude about life, then you're not going to be able to love your neighbor as yourself because, in fact, you don't really love yourself. You secretly hate yourself, and that's something that you don't want to come to terms with, and you keep it locked up. That's why there's anxiety. That's why there's depression. It's something that you haven't acknowledged and dealt with. You have to love yourself before you can love your neighbor, and then the way that we love our neighbor is exactly the way we love ourselves. We're going to we're going to do to them what we would expect them to do to us. Exactly. And you know, it goes to discipleship. Oh, absolutely. That, absolutely. Know? There you've heard the phrase, you know, show don't tell, right? Yeah. And we can tell people about Jesus all day long, but we have to be willing to show them. Mhm. Right? And the only way they'll ever know who Jesus is, is the way we act and treat them. Correct. And so we have, if we're in Christ, we have the fruit of the Spirit that's operating in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the character qualities of Jesus. But we need to take those and adopt them and implement them in our lives and in our heart as our own. And then walk that out on a daily basis. And when we do then it's going to affect those around us. And you have to have a good attitude about others because guess what? When you're in business, you have to deal with others. You have to deal with your stakeholders, your investors. You need to deal with your customers. You need to deal with your employees. Everybody around you is an other. And so you need to have a good attitude about them. One thing I learned early on that continued still to today, and I one of the other things I go by is attitudes are contagious. Mm, yes. If you go in with a bad attitude, especially if you have people you you know that you're mentoring or whatever you're, and especially your coworkers, if you go in with that attitude, that's how your workplace is going to be treated. If you go in with the love of God, the fire of God in your, your your business, and you go in loving people, loving your work, they will treat it the same way as you do. Attitudes are contagious. So to recap, those five attitudes that have everything to do with why some Christian businesses fail are number one, our attitudes about God. Number two, our attitude about money. Number three, our attitude about our identity. Number four, our attitude about life. And number five, our attitude about others. If any of those or all of those are not right attitudes, then that is what's going to contribute to our failure as a Christian business. I'm going to make a resource available for you. um, And you can DM us on Instagram and we'll be happy to send this to you in a PDF file. Absolutely. It'll be the five attitudes and it'll be some statements that I have prepared that you can recite over your business concerning these attitudes. If you would like a copy of that, go into the show notes and you'll see our Instagram profile listed there. Send me a DM and I will get you a copy of this in your email. Next week, we'll have Quentin Jones on the show and he'll be here to talk to us about ministerial leadership in the marketplace. So you'll definitely want to tune into that. It's going to be a powerful time. I can guarantee it. Until next time, we call your business to be blessed and prosper in Jesus' name, even as your soul prospers. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're on Clubhouse, connect with us there for live Q&As about the show. We'll have all the details in the show notes. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode if it helped you and encouraged you. Thanks for listening. 
Continue to seek God first and serve His people well, and your business will prosper in Jesus' name.